we did find out in the in the book that um, even though she may not have cared to have met you, uh, she apparently wanted to know what was in your underwear drawer. <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hey, David. Good morning, sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good morning. Yeah, somebody's like... Let's wake up super early in the morning and do some recording. Well, we have to. I know we have to. Well, the options are (laughs) record early in the morning when we're tired or record late in the evening when we're tired. (laughs) Well, you do better on the evening recordings than I do. I know. You wake up chipper. I think we talked about this before. Chipper, chipper, chipper. You jump out of bed like, good morning. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, this morning I jumped out of bed and I'm like, okay, let's get ready. Next thing I know, you're in the shower. I'm like, man, well, I could have slept 15 extra minutes. Yeah, but you're, you're getting ready is typically such a process. Like, I was like, dude, I got plenty of time. I could probably eat breakfast, take a shower. That is not true. I could shave. That I is could not probably, true. Probably handwrite a letter to my grandmother. No. And take it to the mailbox. David. Okay. You just start off exaggerating in the mornings, don't you? <laughs> Gets my day off right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I do want to bring up something that happened on Labor Day. We labored? Yes, we labored. <laughs> so for people who do not know, Labor Day is a U.S. holiday. And uh, I don't remember all the exact history of it, but it was brought about uh, because of laborers back in the day. I think it was maybe in the 1920s or something like that. The unions um, fought for like a special day off for workers because they were they were being worked too much. So Labor Day is actually a day you're not supposed to labor. Right, which uh, I'm sure some people don't. <laughs> it's funny because people treat it like a, mm, almost like an Independence Day kind of thing. Or I mean, a Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah. There's no fireworks, but yeah, people, you know, grill out, get together, whole nine yards. It's almost like the last grilling or barbecue before fall. Yeah, I was going to say, it's almost like the end of the summer. It's kind of depressing, Labor Day, because I I love the summer. I like the heat. I I just don't like the bugs, but everything else about summer, like it. Don't like cold. Can't stand it. Poor David. Anyway, where were you going with that? Well, I'm in the kitchen after I had just not labored waterproofing the deck. Yeah. You busted your hiney for <laughs> days on end, waterproofing the day. Weeks on end. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were getting it. Yep. Anybody that's going to waterproof a deck, I will suggest that you go get a paint sprayer. <laughs> yeah. An electric paint sprayer saved my life this it weekend. It did. We did more in two days than you did in two weeks, two months maybe. <laughs> Don't be exaggerating again. <laughs> okay, so you're in the kitchen. I'm in the kitchen, and your phone rings, and I'm like, I'm not about to go answer it. Yeah, I figured it was you, so I wasn't. I, fig- I, fi- I figured it was Anton, your business partner. <laughs> it's usually somebody I don't really want to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, honestly, a lot of times it's you. See, I was upstairs. Let's put some context around it. I was upstairs. You were downstairs. It's not unusual for you to even call me from the next room. 
<laughs> so I figured you were calling me. Well, you fuss at me for hollering from room to room, so I call. I, I don't mind you calling. I just didn't have my phone upstairs with me. It was downstairs. Right. So I figured once I didn't answer it, you would start hollering. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you did. <laughs> well, the next thing you know, my phone rings. And I, it's one of your kids. And I answered it, and he's like, hey, Lori. I'm like, hey. And I just sit there for a second. He's like, um, I'm outside. <laughs> I'm like, I'm inside. <laughs> and he said, I went to come in and I saw that crazy dog. And you're like, what? Come in our house? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, you're here. He's like, yeah, I said I was outside. <laughs> so I scream for David and tell him to come downstairs. I'm like, can you come down here for a minute? No, it was like somebody was hurt kind of yelling. I, I didn't know what was going on. I was aggravated. I was tired. I was sweaty. I'm like, you ain't even got your phone, and you up there playing PlayStation or some crap. And you don't know what I'm doing up here? I knew what you were doing. Okay. Maybe. There was too much feeling of love in the house. What? What does that mean? That means I can tell when you're playing the PlayStation versus working. Okay. I know these things. <laughs> and so anyway, your son ended up eating dinner with us, mm-hmm. which was nice. And I think it was a pleasant surprise. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Yep. He's he's like the only one was within any distance that can get here. Yeah, he's like three hours away, and they had came down for his girlfriend's family wedding. Yeah, and I guess he, you know, I don't know if he's if he's thinking I'm going to pop in and surprise them, or or he's thinking I'm not going to tell them I'm in town just in case I decide not to visit. I think it's the latter. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> well, you know, we've heard the girlfriend say, I'm not even telling my family I'm coming down because I don't want them to, I don't want them to get mad when I don't come see them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he could have been here a month. We don't know. No, but he did. I know. He did spend the night with his girlfriend's uncle or something like that. I don't know. And I was like, dude, you can stay here. But anyway, he's a grown man. He can... Make his own choices and all that jazz. Yep. So anyway. <laughs> so anyway. It, was, what, it what, was nice to hang out with him. One of the nacho bit. kids showed up. <laughs> yep. I'll be like, hey, I know you, nacho. We should, we should get them t-shirts, original nacho kid. <laughs> hey, I like that idea. <laughs> get, oh, We'd have to get him a tie-dyed one. Yeah. I thought about seeing if he wanted to record with us yesterday, and I was like, uh, I don't know if he's ready for that. Yeah. He's really shy. Yeah. So, anyway, our guest today is from Australia. Oh, goodness. Here we go. A lover accent. <laughs> ah, there you go. I knew it. I knew it was going to be there. <laughs> How did you know? Because <laughs> anybody who doesn't talk like you, you're like, I love your accent. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Let's get somebody on from like straight up deep Louisiana. Cajun. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. Might have to translate. <laughs> Just like people have to translate me sometimes. Most of the time. Even I do. Yeah. Whatever. I don't have an accent. It's not your accent. It's that you have to understand things like when she says the other day, that means last year or yesterday or five minutes ago. Hey, look here. The older (laughs) you people get, you're going to do the same thing. (laughs) When you say the other day, it could have been five minutes ago or 15 years ago. (laughs) The good thing is, it always sounds like we've only been married a short period of time because we always just got married the other day. <laughs> That's right. The other day. <laughs> the, bad th- the bad thing is that when we're arguing, you're like, 
you remember the other day when you did blah, blah, blah? I'm like, no, that was three years ago. I had That's what I said the other day. <laughs> no, we don't argue like that. <laughs> no, we hadn't in a while. It's due. We're due for an argument. No, <laughs> no, I don't miss you ever, arguing. You ever met those couples that like they argue on purpose? So they feel like they have to get all that stress out and then they feel better afterwards. No, should we start doing that? Is it argument therapy? Is that a thing? I don't know. It will be in a minute. No. No, because I don't like it. But like the other day, we created the argument. All right, therapy. back to Kendra. Yeah. Kendra <laughs> is Kara Lee. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Kara Lee. Okay. Kara Lee, and David's going to say her last name. Ketsambanis. There we go. Is from Australia, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And she reached out to me, and next thing you know, she's a guest on our podcast. Did you say hello? No. I said, what's up? <laughs> I was like, hey, <laughs> what you doing? Yeah. She wrote a book called Step Parenting with Purpose, Everything You Wanted to Know But Were Too Afraid to Ask. Hmm. The funny chapter in her book. The one that grabs your attention when you read the title? Yes. <laughs> is hairy balls and periods. <laughs> That's just funny. Every time it's funny. Every time. In 10 minutes from now, it'll still be funny. Uh, just hope you don't have both at the same time. Oh, my gosh, David. The same person? No, goofy. <laughs> well, if you've got twins, you would have it at the same time, more than likely. Right. I don't know, because boys hit puberty at a different time, don't they? Well, I wasn't even considering twins necessarily. I'm just saying... When you got multiple households, there's a you know some chance that you may have teenagers hitting these types of milestones at the same time. True. So you got you know you got one going crazy on the male side of the hormones, the other one's going crazy on the female side of the hormones. Hormones. It's hormones. Hormones. You said hormones. Hormones. <laughs> I don't like saying hormones. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than saying hormones. I li- I'd rather say hormones. No, that just sounds wrong. It's not harmony. It's not. I know, but there's just something that sounds so nasty about hormones. <laughs> <laughs> like I need to wash my mouth. That was so crusty. <laughs> Half the stuff you say, you should wash your mouth out, David. <laughs> okay. Good thing I balance you out. <laughs> yeah, you balance me. All right. <laughs> All right, so... No, I ain't going to tell you how much I weigh for you to have to balance me. <laughs> Let's get to listening. All right, just get to listening. <laughs> so I can teach David how to say hormones without no, feeling dirty. don't say that. It's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Oh, guess what? I get the open today. <laughs> so today we're going to welcome Kara Lee Ketsambanis. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, David and Laurie. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. So Laurie, do you want to introduce uh, why you have her own? 
well, you know, I met this chick on Instagram, and she seemed pretty cool, and she'd wrote a book about step-parents. So I'm like, hey, want to be on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, no, no, you know what it really was. It was, oh, I get to talk to somebody from Australia. I just love their accents. <laughs> well, I mean, that did cross my mind of, oh, how awesome. Yeah. Then the funny part was we get Carolee on, and first thing Carolee says to Lori is, oh, I love your accent. I'm like, oh, gosh. (laughs) You guys get that over with so we can do something. (laughs) Well, it's just so different. And I did have to get clarification on what fortnightly was. (laughs) And because I thought it was every other week at first, but then when you look it up, it's every two weeks. So I'm like, okay, is that the same as every other week? And thankfully, you clarified for me that it's actually like a 10-day period. Yes. Yep. So we can uh, get into all that. But uh, so let's give a little bit of background to Carolee and her blend. And, you know, because, you know, some people are probably going, what makes you somebody who can write a book about step families? (laughs) Because she's awesome. (laughs) And she's from Australia. Yeah. And uh, she's lived this mess. So exactly. So that's what we want to get into. So tell us about your uh, your blend and your dynamics. How many kids and uh, stepkids and all that good stuff? And how long you've been blending? And I will. Okay. Thank you, David and Lauren. Everyone. So we've been blending for fifteen years. My stepchildren are stepson who is twenty six and a stepdaughter who is twenty five. And I came into their life when they were both 11 and 12. And with their dad, whom I'm married to, we have three children. I have a son who's 11, a daughter who is 10, and another daughter who is 8. So there is a big age between the blend. The kids all get on. We call my stepkids the big kids and my kids the little kids. And it works really well. So I was a step-parent before I became a mum. And um, it's, yeah, look, it works well there. Have, I love the way you said she's been living this mess. Um, <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not a bad mess, but there definitely are some challenges. And I think I wrote the book because I say that this is the book that I wished I'd had 15 years ago when I began the step parenting journey. In Australia, we're a, a, um, a nation of 25 million people and I really found the only place that I could source some good information was the Dr. Phil and the Oprah shows and those type <laughs> of shows, which I know you guys will all be laughing in America, but in Australia, <laughs> it, it's very, very different. And while you can get papers and books on how many families have split, how many divorces, how many separations, how many second marriages there are, what I found was severely lacking was a book with some real-life tips and strategies and insights into how to manage some of the more challenging step-parenting events and tips on how to engage and also manage the ex because what you often find is when people split, they're all fine and then when someone repartners, it's like the green-eyed monster of jealousy just comes out um, and it can make things very difficult and people lose sight that the important people in all this really are the children. Um, I also wrote the book because I'm very passionate about step-parenting. I call it step-parenting with purpose because what I firmly believe is if stepchildren cannot see a good working relationship between their biological parents and their step-parents, 
the role modeling will be gone for the rest of their life. The chances are is that they will replicate what they've seen, what they've witnessed. The odds are that they will end up being step parents themselves and the cycle will just keep on and on and on. And I always say that, you know, to a biological parent, if your ex has repartnered, don't take your anger out, you know, towards that other person. Be glad that that person is stepping up and trying to have a positive influence on your child. That person does not want to take your position as the mother or the father. They just want to have the chance to make a positive difference. But if you're bad-mouthing your ex and you're bad-mouthing their new partner, who is either your children's stepmother or stepfather, you're not doing a good thing for your children or for anyone. And you can feel like that, but don't don't let your kids see that. And um, yeah, I just think good workable relationships, good role modeling will just help normalize the whole blended family step parenting experience and take some of the weirdness out of it for the children. Because another important thing that I think David and Laurie is to remember that your ex is not your children's ex. That's the number one thing. Your ex is not your children's ex. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you may think. It doesn't matter why they've left you or how they've left you. They are still either the father or the mother of the child that you've created with them. And while your relationship with them hasn't worked, they're still the mother or the father of your child. And you need to work on yourself and find a way of dealing with what has happened with your split and keep that completely separate from the from your children's relationship with the ex. Right. I do want to back up and tell what your background is. Sure. Um, okay, so my background, well, I am I'm 47 years old. I'm an only child. I, what's the word, my professional life, I trained as a teacher and then became a journalist. And here in Australia, I'm a news and current affairs television commentator, radio commentator. I write regular political columns and I also am a senior executive media trainer. So I teach people how to answer questions in a television studio and in a radio interview as well. And I try and keep my work very separate from my step-parenting because I think step-parenting is what you do. It's not always what what you are. And, um, yeah, so people are quite surprised when they find out that I'm a step-parent because I. it's not that I've always kept it hidden, but I'm quite respectful of my stepchildren who now live in Melbourne and they're young adults and they've got their own careers in business and things and their stepmom has brought out a book with, her on the front cover, which was chosen by the publisher. And while I don't name them in the book, I just, um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's a little bit about my background. Right. And you mentioned to us that you did explain to your stepkids that there were things that they may not like, but your stepchildren were open to it because they know that this book will help people. Yeah. Look, it's really funny. An important thing that I'd like the audience to know is that, um, so I've been a step parent for 15 years, but I have actually never met or spoken to my husband's ex-wife and while we live in another state in Australia now when we lived in the same state in Australia um, she only lived two kilometers or two miles away and I thought it very strange at the very beginning that here was I going to be having her children half the time completely shared full child custody 
um, yeah, sorry, not full child custody, full child support, um, all those things in childhood, and she just didn't want to meet. And I remember thinking at the time, well, that really isn't the right thing. It's not the right message for the kids. Did I think 15 years down the track that that would still be the case? No, I didn't. But it's funny, when I wrote this book, there are a couple of jaw-dropping moments, but I wrote the book knowing that one day my stepkids would read it and they're very supportive of the book. And it's funny, my stepson said a couple of years ago, um, you know, I know my mum has never met you, but it's a bit of a backhanded compliment because she knew that you were always doing the right thing. And I said to my stepson, well, that's funny, you know, I'm a pretty objective person, but it is pretty immature not to have met. I said, you know, we're so far down the track. How much easier would life have been in the beginning if we'd just met? And she had already repartnered anyway. So, but that was her choice. Um, I think also people don't realise that when they're getting into the step-parenting blended family thing, there are many choices to make. There's no exact answer for everything, but there are some basic, basic do's and don'ts. And I think it's sad because years go by so quickly. Can I believe I've been a step-parent 15 years? Oh my gosh, no. I still look on my 26-year-old stepson as the 11 and 12-year-old that I first met. Um, mm -hmm. But time does go by quickly and you can't get that time back. Um, probably in my um, husband's ex-wife's mind, she probably thinks she's done nothing wrong and she probably thinks, well, you know what? He remarried, I repartnered, that was his choice, that was my choice, big deal. But I'm a far more level-headed person. I think of the bigger picture and I thought back then of the issues down the track, the 18th birthdays, the 21st birthdays, the things in the future. And you know what? They've been and gone. The occasions were not as they should have been and I just think it's a shame. But a few friends of mine say, look, you, you give it far too much thought. She made her choices. She had every opportunity. They actually said she was a mum for 12 years before you came on the scene and if she hadn't worked it out then she was never going to have worked it out. Mm -hmm. We did find out in the in the book that um, even though she may not have cared to have met you uh, she apparently wanted to know what was in your underwear drawer. <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny you know it it's a case of um, and this is where I say I say it to everybody that I'm a huge believer I'm not a psychologist I'm not a psychiatrist I think there's a very important place um, when there's separation or divorce for professional counselling for both parties as well as children because no one walks down the aisle of a church or wherever you might get married thinking that they're going to get divorced X number of years later. And I believe that when people split, they're grieving the loss of a dream. Now, we had an occasion where we were selling our unit in Melbourne and it was a 40-degree day. And it was my stepdaughter's netball grand final. And it was quite weird because we were out. So when you have a home open in Australia, you, you're not allowed to be there. You sort of go down the street or go have a cup of coffee. And it was the weekend that my stepdaughter was with her mum. And her mum chose to come to our home open with a friend of hers rather than watch the netball grand final. And the day was 100 degrees Fahrenheit. And I just thought we, I found a note in my underwear drawer. So we'd already been married for a couple of, you know, a few years after this and it was a bit of a vulgar note. And I just thought this is really sad. 
this woman needs to go and talk to somebody about her feelings. She'd already repartnered and I thought there's a lot of hurt and bitterness still there. But I felt saddest because I thought, what did you say to your daughter as to why you didn't go and watch the netball grand final? Whatever you said would have been a lie because there's no way that you would have said, I'm going to go to the home open of your father and your stepmother. So it's also a way that you have to really take control of your feelings and you have to work them through. And you have to realise that if you split from someone or the marriage doesn't work, you're not a bad person at all. It's a thing that happens. My husband got married far too young. They were so young when they got married. There was a lot of family pressure for them to stay together. They tried to split before all the aunts and uncles and the parents had said, no, 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 you must stay together, must stay together, must work it out. They just ended up growing more and more apart. And I think that people, you've just got to be objective and really take control of your feelings because it's still sad, isn't it? It's funny when you mentioned that, it, it just brought it back to me. And I thought, well, you know what? That's something that she chose to do. She had the choice. I mean, why you would even go to a home open of your exes is just beyond me. I don't know. I'm not wired that way. So I guess some people are, but why would you do it? And when you found the note, did you like go through all the rest of your clothes into drawers and look to see if there was anything I else did. anywhere? Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I did. And in Australia, I don't know if it's the same as in America, but for the realtor or the, we call them the real estate agent, you have to sign a book. It's a carbon copy so they can mm-hmm. tell who's come to visit the property. And she'd written her name in there. And I just said to my husband, well, she's evidently done it because she probably wants you to ring her and have a go at her, but we just ignore it. Just ignore it. And and that is the best thing you could have ever done. And I thought, you know what? Well, if that made her feel good, what was interesting though was, and I put in my book specifically, she came to our home open with a girlfriend of hers. And I put in the book and I say, if you are the girlfriend of someone that is about to do that, it's your responsibility as a friend to say to them, stop. This is not normal behaviour. I really (laughs) think you need some counselling. This is not, I'm not going to aid and abet you in doing this. This is not healthy for your mental health and this is not normal. You really need to go and see a counsellor. No, I'm not going to go with you to the home open of your ex and the thing because my philosophy in life is treat others like you want to be treated. So if I was that woman's, if I was my ex-wife's friend or so my husband's ex-wife's friend, I'd be thinking, hang on a second, would I want someone coming and doing this? And you can't tell me that the friend wasn't complicit in this, but you just ignore <laughs> yeah. it. You just ignore it. You know, the friend was sitting there going, uh-huh, if I was you, I'd go over there. I dog on right, I would. <laughs> yeah, but what is it going to achieve? It doesn't achieve anything, does it, really? I mean, if you've repartnered and he's been married for a couple of years, what does it achieve? Yeah, no, it's not for achieving anything. It's just um, people often, especially when it's not their problem to deal with, yeah. they often uh, don't mind giving crazy feedback and advice because they're not the ones that have to to live with the consequences of whatever happens. Yeah. Well, and here's my thing is people sell houses every day. Is it normal for the people looking at the house to just roam around without the realtor? Yes. I mean, yeah. It is? Yeah. So she could have stole something, of yes. course. Yes, and, that, and that's what happens. That's what happens. So when you go into a home open in, in Australia, they might ask you to take your shoes off, you sign the book, and then you just wander around the house. Hmm. I don't like that. 
(laughs) (laughs) So anybody out there, before you have an open house or a home open, if you're in Australia, hide your stuff, man. Just put a note in your underwear drawer says, if you're the step uh, or if you're the ex, get out of my underwear. (laughs) The other thing is, though, they, they take your driver's license and your phone number. So if you came back and said, look, a piece of jewelry or a silver jug is missing or something, well, they've got a record as to who was in the house, so then they'd give it over to the police and then, you know, the police would be able to track it down. But no, in Australia, it's it's pretty it's a pretty open society in that way. Hmm. So what about the, the older stepkids? Because we often hear people say, well, as soon as they turn 18, they're moving out or all of our stepfamily troubles are going to be over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I know the answer to this, but what, what has been your experience? So when they turn 18, did they just completely just poof, disappear and everything was great? Well, we moved interstate. So we moved from the east coast of Australia to the west coast of Australia. So that's like your east to west coast in America. It's a four-hour mm-hmm. plane flight. Um, they both went to university, which I believe is college in America. Um, mm-hmm. My stepson finished and he's a chartered accountant so he did a four-year university degree my stepdaughter did a business degree and she did her thing she got a job and so they both work in Melbourne Um, they normally come over once a year and my husband is able to go over to the east with work as well but I mean they're 26 and 25 now so they've got their own lives they've got partners so it is a little bit different um but look, in Australia, when they're 18, if we'd been in the same state, depending on where they chose to go to college, um, probably that, you know, when, when kids turn 18, the child support stops and that mandated you've got to do X number of nights at one house and X, that sort of falls by the wayside. And, you know, it depends who they're living with or, you know, if a parent is living nearer a university than not. Um, they may they may choose to live. And then it's interesting, though, because I did stay to my stepson because in Australia quite often people have jobs while they're at university. They might work in a coffee shop or they might wait tables. Um, I did say to my stepkids that if you're going to live with us, I would expect you to pay some board and, like, some rent um, because, you know, you can't just loaf off. for the, you, You've got to make a contribution if you were having to share a house with it five friends or something like that, you'd be paying for things, I would expect you to do that. And um, I think they they gave that to their mum because, as I said, they had to move to Melbourne and, and stuff like that. But I, I think it's a little bit different in Australia to, um, to the United States in what happens. But some kids live at home and they don't pay anything. But, I mean, I was an only child. I still paid board and rent to my mum and dad and people would raise eyebrows and say, gee whiz, you're an only child, shouldn't you be given everything? And my mum said, well, this is part of the big bad world. You're going to have to pay rent to somebody someday. You may as well start paying for some rent and some board now. And I truly believe it, it makes somebody a more responsible, resilient person. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. In high school, everybody's getting cars when they graduate when I was younger. And I remember... I knew I wouldn't get a car. That's not how my family worked. And so I got um, what's called a hope chest. It's like the cedar chest you put memory stuff in. Yeah. And I remember thinking, man, my parents are horrible. My friend (laughs) just got like a 1968 Mustang and I get a hope chest. But I'm going to tell you, I appreciate things so much more 
because I have worked for them yeah. versus being handed them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, I take my hat off to my stepkids. They always had um, in Australia allowed to work from the age of 14 years and nine months, lots of casual jobs. They always had casual jobs all the way through. And I was the same as you, Laurie. I did four years at college. Um, I couldn't afford a car. And my mum, you know, because you didn't get that much, that much in your wages and so you appreciate things a lot more. And I know that parents want to give everything they can to kids, but at the end of the day, history shows if you give kids absolutely everything, they don't learn about the value of something um, unless they've paid for it themselves. They don't understand if they break something. Um, and I think that there's always a tendency with stepkids, especially for stepmums, to try and overcompensate and buy a bigger gift and they don't need that at all what they need is your time your understanding they need to know that you're someone that they can go to to talk if there's a problem and they just need to know that you're there they might not always talk to you and they might be a bit distant and they might be a bit rude sometimes but if you're compassionate consistent and fair they'll respect you for it Right. And that was something that you wrote in your book too, was, um, I believe it was a chapter on gifts. Yes. And one of the things that you said was, it's more important to remember and acknowledge the stepkid's birthday than the gift. Yeah, that's it. So what we did is, as I said to you, there weren't many books or anything around when I first became a step parent. And my stepkids at that time were, they had two sets of grandparents and two sets of great grandparents. And they were the only grandchildren and great-grandchildren that were born at that time. So they got lots of gifts, um, lots of monetary gifts, which is often the Greek family way. If you've seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, you can imagine mm -hmm. all that. And um, I just remember thinking, well, I don't want to buy a gift that if they take home to their mum, the mum goes, oh, yeah, sure, I knew she'd get you that, you know, if it was a new basketball hat or the latest thing. So... What I would do is naturally their dad would buy a substantial gift and he'd say that it was from both of us. But right up to the age of 18, I would buy like a smaller gift and it was quite funny. The first gift that I bought my stepdaughter really only cost $5 and she was madly into dogs and puppies and she didn't have one at the time and we weren't going to buy her one. We knew that her mum was going to get one down the track. And what I did is I got her a photo frame saying, I love my dog. I got her a $2 dogs and puppies calendar with beautiful pictures there. I got her a hat and I think I got her a T-shirt. So prices, you know, 15 years ago. And I got her a birthday card. I think she was turning um, 12 and it was a 12-year-old birthday card and it was a picture of a girl with a dog. So that whole mm -hmm. theme was going through. And she kept all that stuff for ages. And I guess I did that to show that, the monetary thing isn't important. It's them knowing that you've picked up on what they're really interested in. And I did that. And for my stepson, he was heavily into sport. And it was really funny. As the years went on, I just kept up with $2 dogs and poppies calendar, which you buy every year in Australia, just as a little memory of something. Um, and they were just like little gifts that I would get because I didn't want them to think that I was trying to buy their love or buy their approval. I didn't want to overstep the mark of what their mum was buying or their grandparents or their great-grandparents or their dad, but I always got a lovely card and I got something that they were interested in that particular year. Um, I think one year my stepson wanted 
the latest Harry Potter book and I just happened to be finishing work late one night in the city and they were setting up the stall for the release or something and I knew the manager and she said, look, if you want to buy one now, you can buy one now. And so that, you know, that that was a gift. I mean, the book back then was $20, but it was the fact that I got the appropriate gift. So it's a common mistake that we all make as step parents where you want to buy your kids everything, but it can backfire. It also doesn't give them a sense of who you are as well. That's true. Yeah. If they know that you're all about just buying the latest thing or, 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 you know, buying something blingy instead of buying something thoughtful and it doesn't matter the size of the gift, it's more sort of like being there and you just get a bit of a feel for it. Um, you know, there's no right and there's no wrong, but there are some real danger zones as well. There are some, you know, step parents that are far too generous and that can raise the ire of, you know, the mum or the dad because, you know, naturally you probably have maybe got a bit more money because you're not having to financially raise those kids as much as their parents are in terms of child support. So you probably do have more disposable cash to buy them the latest PlayStation game or the latest Lego or whatever. You've got to be careful. You just have to be careful with what you do. Yes, and that's very important to remember. Now I want to ask you when your husband did he have guilty parent syndrome with his kids? Um, is that as big of a thing in Australia as it is here where he doesn't really discipline the kids as much as he thinks he should because he doesn't want them to prefer to be with mom or he doesn't want them to say they don't want to come back or he buys them extra things that he probably wouldn't buy your bio kids together? No, we've never had any of that. Haven't had any of that at all. So I'm very lucky with that. Um, I think the the number one thing that I picked him up on very, very early on was when we first got married, he'd have what he called an open pantry, which meant the kids could just go in and help themselves to snacks. And, you know, when they suddenly weren't hungry for dinner that I'd cooked or made, I pretty soon worked that out and I said to my husband, this is not doing them any good and it won't do you any good in the long run. And the open pantry was shut down within a couple of weeks and it was never opened again and it was just a normality. And I think I said to my husband, stop having these treats in the pantry so that they're excited coming over to daddy's. They're excited coming over to you anyway because they want to see you as their dad. But no, look, I have to give full credit to my husband. Um, we've, we've never had anything like that. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because that's hard, and yeah. it's hard for a lot of people to understand the guilty parent syndrome, but it is so real, and it can be debilitating. Mm. And I'm glad that when you talked to your husband, you were able to come across to him as, this isn't really good, and these are the reasons why. The kids should be glad to come see you, you know, yeah. not because you have treats, Rather than saying, your kids are eating a bunch of crap and not eating my cooking for <laughs> dinner and it's making me mad. Yeah. Yeah, she she did it in a way that shows that it's a benefit to him and the kids, not it's a benefit to her. Or a complaint about the kids. Right. Right. Yeah. So what I know you mentioned that you wrote the book because, you you know, it's kind of the resource you wish you would have had. Uh, but what sparked you to to really want to to do that? Because that's not something you sit down one day and say, you know what, I think this weekend I'll write a book. <laughs> I think there are a couple of reasons why. When you're first a step parent, you're 
grappling with lots of things, you're trying to get through things. Life goes by very quickly, years go by very quickly. When I married my husband, I was the first one of my group that was marrying a man who was divorced with children. Um, I said, we've been married, we've been together 15 years. After 10 years, I had a lot of friends of mine that were marrying men with kids and they would say, did this ever happen to you? Oh, what did you do? Did this work for you? Am I doing this the right way? And I just realised that there are some similarities that step parents face around the world, no matter what the country is, no matter what your economic circumstances are, no matter what your job is, there are just some like, you know, step parenting 101s, do's and don'ts, things that work. But it's funny, I don't write this in the book, but this is actually one of the things that triggered me to write the book is a friend of mine had been going to counselling and it wasn't really working for her. She'd met a man with a couple of kids and the ex was what you call quite a high conflict ex. There was a lot of toxicity and I said to her, look, you've almost got to expect that. And her husband contacted me. We were all friends and he said, look, my wife is, or she was soon to be wife, soon to be married, um, he said she's seen this counsellor who is telling her that she just must love the stepkids and she said, sometimes there are weekends that I just wish that they weren't coming over. And I said to her, really? I said, that's pretty normal. I said, and there are parents that wish their kids would disappear one weekend as well. And I said, <laughs> let me tell you why you're thinking this. You're thinking this because your soon-to-be husband's ex-wife is trying to swap around the custody weekends. You've perhaps mapped out a weekend away with your husband and she's calling the shots and I said it's okay I said are you going to lock your stepkids in the cupboard and feed them bread and water and beat them with a wooden spoon and she said no of course not she said but there are some times that I just wish that they wouldn't come over and I said welcome to step parenting we all feel <laughs> like that at some time it doesn't make you a bad person it makes you completely normal so what happened was she asked me to go to a counselling session with her in Melbourne, and I did, and the counsellor was very nice. And within 10 minutes I said to this counsellor, you're not married or partnered, are you? And they said no. And I said, you don't have any children of your own, you haven't adopted any, you're not fostering any, and you're certainly not a step-parent, are you? And the person said no. And I said, well, you're giving bad advice. And so I picked my friend up by the hand, turned around, walked out of there. And her husband came around with a huge bunch of flowers a week later and said, that counsellor has been making her feel like she's this small and that she's a mm -hmm. bad person. And I said, well, yeah, she isn't. And my, you know, her husband said, I know that. But this counsellor keeps saying to her, you must love the stepkids you must change your whole life, you must drop everything when they come over. And I said, that's wrong. That is completely wrong. We have all had occasions where a custody weekend has been swapped around on us or a game has been played. That is a normal human behaviour. And as I said at the beginning of this question, there are some weekends that those of us that have got our own kids wish that they would disappear, but you laugh it off. It's a joke. It's a lighthearted thing you're not going to hurt the stepkids, you don't mean anything by it, you would just sometimes like some time alone with your partner, which is what we all want. 
So that was one of the reasons. And it was my friend and her husband that said, you need to write a book on this and you need to say that it's okay to have these feelings because they said there's a lot of people out there that say you're evil if you have these feelings when really it's just part and parcel of normal step-parenting life. Mm -hmm. As you were telling that story, I'm like, I hope you got up and walked out of yeah. there with her. <laughs> we and did. When you got to that part, I'm like, yes, yes, And that's why I say I'm very careful. I'm very explicit in my book and I say I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, and professional psychologists and psychiatrists and counsellors have their place. But how many times do we see in life well-meaning experts that are very academic but they have no practical experience? And why I wrote the book is it's a book that people can pick up and they can get some great strategies, some tips, some real-life examples. Every single thing in the book is true. It has either happened to me or hand on my heart. It has happened to a close friend of mine. And it's similar stories all around. And I think nothing beats life experience, practical experience. I give you the example of this. Before you have children, you've got no idea what it's like to have a child. Those of us that have got teenage kids or whatever, we look at someone with a one-month-old newborn and we think, how easy is that? But we forget when we had a one-month-old newborn, we were sitting up, we were worried about sudden infant death syndrome over the cot, worried about the feeding, worried about the burping, worried about the crying, tearing our hair out. The first 12 weeks is crazy. Whereas when you've been through that stage and you look back, you think, oh, that was so easy. So, you know, the other reason, as I said, why I wrote the book is, to give a good shout out to the step parents out there that really are doing their best but are being thwarted by toxic exes or they're not being heard because, as someone said, a step parent is having an input into raising a child, but they don't get any of the credit for it. Yes, mm -hmm. they don't. No, they don't. And they don't want the credit for it, but they also don't want to be... Um, they don't want to be belittled and bad-mouthed at every step of the way. Because like it or not, everyone can contribute to a child's upbringing. Yes. And one of the things that we try to explain to people is if you step back in a lot of situations, and this isn't for everybody, because we know one size doesn't fit all, or if it did, we wouldn't have so many blended families that don't survive. But sometimes if the step parent steps back and looks at their role from a different perspective, and remains kind of in the dating dad mode in respect to how the relationship with the stepkids is forming, it allows them to build a bond with those stepkids and have sometimes more influence on them than it would if they tried to parent them. Absolutely. And you know what? Sometimes you don't find that out until years later. Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, you, you never get that because if, say, they live with their mum 80% of the time, you've got no control over what she's going to say to them. You're only, you've only got control over what you do, what you say, how you say it, and what goes on in your home. And sometimes you're never going to be able to, to remove the damage that their mum is doing against you. And that's just one of those things. All you can hope is that by being consistent and not bad-mouthing their mum and stuff like that, that hopefully they will see that you're doing their best. Of course, they've got an innate loyalty to their mum and their parent. They're always going to have that. But hopefully they can see 
maybe years later that, that you're doing your best and that you've done your best for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like your book said, there are mean people. You've got people that are hateful. It doesn't matter if they're moms, stepmoms, dads, whatever. But the majority of people don't go in thinking, I'm going to make this kid's life miserable. They go in with good intentions. They're trying to fix something they didn't break. And they overstep a lot of times. And they don't realize it until things go completely south. And I think also that it's important to remember that while you might be ready to go gung-ho for a relationship with your stepkids, they may not be ready for one. So you've got to try not to take things too personally. Um, It is difficult because we all get hurt and upset, but you've almost just got to let it evolve and not try too hard. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, like when Lori and I met, she was like ready to get married day one. And I'm like, back off, chick. (laughs) (laughs) You're a lucky man, David. Uh, uh. You know, it just amazes me. His memory of how things (laughs) happen and mine are, yeah, it's like night and day. Don't worry. Laurie, it's the same here in Australia, so don't worry about that. Okay. See, it's not a condition I have. Okay. (laughs) I was just checking to make sure I didn't need to get you treatment or something. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't take it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You have to let the stepkids lead that relationship. If you try to force them to bond with you or like David, if he was tried to force his kids to bond with me and say, you need to tell Lori, hey, when you come in and you need to thank her when she cooks dinner and that is just going to push them further and further So away. let me share something with you. Um, in the case of us, so as I said, we've been together 15 years and we've been married 13 years. Um, my stepson has always acknowledged me on Mother's Day. I've always had a text or a phone call, but my stepdaughter hasn't. And I wrote an article earlier this year saying managing the expectations of a stepmother on Mother's Day because what I found quite a few years ago was instead of enjoying Mother's Day with my children, I was so tied up in knots looking at my phone thinking, is my stepdaughter going to do it this year? Is she going to do it this year? Oh, my stepson did. I realised that I really wasn't being fair to myself and fair to my children And I basically said that at the end of the day, as a stepmother, you're not your stepmother, you're not your stepchildren's mother. Yes, you might feel that you're raising the child better than the mum or as much as the mum, you're doing just as much washing, ironing and cooking. You're there to help with the homework. You're there to help with the problems. But at the end of the day, they're not your children. And the title is Mother's Day, not Stepmother's Day. And you have to just let it go because I've also said that those children are always going to have an innate loyalty to their mum. If they're living with their mum 80% of the time on that Mother's Day, they might not have an appropriate opportunity to text you or ring you. Um, it's always nice if you've got a card or a gift, but again, when are they going to get the time to do that? Yes, they should, but they may not. And rather than pulling the ball by the horns and saying, hey, thank you for all you've done, sometimes it's easier to ignore it. And it's like our wedding anniversary. Um, My stepson will acknowledge it on Facebook with a like. He started doing it the last couple of years, but he doesn't send us a text. And that's okay. Is it sad? A little bit. But then I realised, well, that's my expectation, thinking, hey, we're nearly 15 years down the track, or we are 15 years, it's all there. He's very happy that we got married. But at the end of the day, you ask most kids, and they would still rather their original parents 
were together, no matter how bad the relationship is, they grow up with an idealised notion of mum and dad together and then, um, you know, even if they end up getting divorced themselves down the track, they still can't do it. So that's something to share with you. Um, I wrote this article that went into a national newspaper in Australia and got replicated around our nation on a digital platform. And the funny thing is, my stepson, he texted me and I always say thank you very much. Did I think to myself, gee, I would love my stepdaughter to acknowledge it? Yes, I did. And then I thought, hang on a second, Carolee, you've just written an article on managing a stepmother's emotions on Mother's Day. And look, it just is what it is. Maybe one day my stepdaughter will be a mum. Maybe she'll be a stepmum. Maybe there'll be an acknowledgement years down the track. But the bottom line is, that's my issue to deal with, not hers. Um, and it's funny, I, I say to people, you can bring up your children in exactly the same way. They're three different individuals. My stepdaughter and my stepson were brought up exactly the same. One acknowledges things, one doesn't. But then, not taking it too personally, my stepdaughter is quite a closed book with a lot of things. And it's not just me. Even my stepson has said that. Um, so that's also things for people to be aware of. Yeah, and you're so right that things are different. Mm. And we do take things personally. And I, too, found that I was more focused on what my stepkids were doing wrong or what I thought they were doing wrong than my own kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. David. <laughs> because I think, Laurie, we all... We all want to be loved and we all think to ourselves, we're doing our best. We've never bad-mouthed their mum. We've never been nasty to them. We've always been there. Why won't they do this for us? You know, we'll acknowledge a birthday with a text or something they won't acknowledge as. Why, why, why? Half the time is, could be this generation, half the time is maybe they don't do it because they know that it will upset us. It's a little way of them getting a little bit of power half the time, you know, who knows? Who knows? Um, the other thing is, have I ever had a conversation to my stepdaughter about this? Not really. I sort of said to her, hey, it's sometimes nice to get acknowledgement for things and she'll go, yeah, 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 yeah. But it doesn't quite equate. But there again, you know, as I said, I'm 47, she's 25. I guess this goes back to when she was 15 or 16. We're trying to put older heads on young shoulders. However, one thing that I have done differently with my children is I have always taught them to acknowledge. And the other thing I think to be aware of is it depends on the age when you inherit your stepkids. You know, if you've had them from the age of two or three or four or five, you've got more of a chance to build those things in there. Once you get stepkids that are already 11, 12 or 13, those bonds and things, they're already formed. Um, and it's not that you want to try and break them or try and remould them. You try and show them by example. Um, but you'll always find a different way of doing them or you'll always say, listen, I hope I don't do that with my children. That is normal. That is normal. But, you know, it's all good. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think a lot of stepmoms, we do take things so very personally. And it could be anybody. And the stepkids are going to react that way towards that person because they are hurting and they are confused and they have those loyalty bonds with their 
bio mom and they don't want to hurt bio mom's feelings by letting her know that, hey, my stepmom's awesome. Mm. You know, I'm sure that if my stepkids would have went to their mom and been like, Lori is the best, <laughs> you know, because I know that's how they felt about me. Sure they and, did. Yeah. <laughs> that she would have been like, what? And we know that she didn't care for us or for me. And that was okay because I didn't care for her. But we did try at one point to go sit down with her and her man friend slash boyfriend, whatever, um, <laughs> at the time that the visitation changed from 11 yep. out of 14 days to her getting them more often. Now, this was by her initiative, though. She wanted us to sit down and talk to her and say how things were done here so she could be consistent. Oh, but the trickery. Mm. <laughs> It was not to be consistent. It was so it would be better for them at her house. So if David punished the kids for making a D, she didn't punish them if they made an F. Or if the bedtime here was 930, then at her house it was 1030. Yeah. Or everything had to be, well, I'm not as strict as your dad or I'm not as bad as your dad kind of thing. So, um, you know, we both, I think, had high hopes when we had that meeting, but Quickly, I mean, within the first week, we learned that her intentions were not the best. Well, that's what I, I think I said earlier. Um, find me an ex who doesn't think that they're a high-conflict ex, but point out some examples to them and see what they say, and they'll either deny ever doing it. Um, that's what I say. You, I have a phrase, you can't change what you don't acknowledge, all right? It's quite okay for you to be jealous that your ex has remarried or repartnered and you're still there single. But it doesn't mean that you won't repartner or remarry down the track. What you've got to come to grips with is your relationship with that person has ended, but you still have children together. Make them your focus. Stop getting so head up about your ex's new partner because that's really nothing to do with you. In the same way that your ex and his new partner cannot control what goes on at your house, you can't control what goes on at their house. All you should be interested in is, is my ex's new partner treating my kids nicely, showing an interest in my kids, being loving towards my kids, being kind? And if the answer to that is yes, that is perfect. You've got no no course to be a high-conflict ex to be bad-mouthing or whatever because you set things up in your children's minds that will have ramifications for years to come. You know, if you're bad-mouthing their stepmom but their stepmom has helped them with some maths homework or some cooking or whatever they need for school, what are you going to be getting them to be thinking? They're going to be thinking, hang on a second, you know, Laurie is lovely, she's helped me with this, but my mum is bad-mouthing her. So then what you're, going to, what you're going to do is you're going to foster a deceptive behavior where the child will start lying and covering things up. So in your book, you said that a friend kept telling you that her stepkids' bedding was not to her taste and did not match her house. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. it drove her bonkers. Yes. And she insisted it was her house. Mm. And a wonderful friend of yours summed it up perfectly and said, Close the door and write off 10 square meters for the next 10 years. Pick your battles. Yep. And I love this. And I'll tell you, one of my pet peeves, I guess you could say, 
with the whole step parent thing is when people say you should love them like your own, you know, things like that. But also when the step mom says, this is my house. Yeah. My house, my rules. My response is, well, where does your husband live? Mm. It's not just your house. Not saying you have to drop everything, but you can't, you can't have that mindset because then it's all about you. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is the stepmoms, we get so wrapped up in our hurt feelings and this is my house and I have no control and I can't even, you know, put the comforter on the bed that I like because the stepkid wants this nasty neon looking thing and it <laughs> makes my house just horrible and it makes me sick. Shut the door. Yeah. Yeah. And, and picking your battles is one thing that you have to be able to do. You're not going to get divorced over the stepkids not eating broccoli. Yeah. If you do, then that's sad. And also, um, you know, when the stepkids come over to your house, if they know that that's their part of the house, their room, whether it's a bed and a chest of drawers or whatever, and it's got their dooner on uh, or whatever it might be, that's their space in, in the house where they feel safe and secure and they want to come. And you know what? Yeah, when you when you marry someone, it was your house, but you're 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 blending. You're you're becoming a family, and it just is what it is. And as as my friend said, yep, next ten years, just write off those ten square meters and don't worry about it. And you know what? When the stepkids go back to the mums, well, put a put a new sheet over it or. Have a different dinner and do that, you know, if the, if the room has to be used for something else when they're not there. But pick the battles. That That's not something to cut up rough with your stepkids about. Yes. And it's hard. I know it's hard it because is. especially, say, for instance, if I was a healthy, you know, nutritional freak about eating, which I'm not. <laughs> but if I would have came in and David's feeding the kids chicken nuggets for supper or a pizza a lot or you know, spaghetti and noodles, whatever. And if I tried to change that and force it, once again, I'm creating my own misery because I'm the only one that cares. Yeah. Yeah. And you really do. You have to find your non-negotiables. For instance, a non-negotiable, I believe, as a step parent is, no, your kids aren't going to be drinking in my house. That's right. And I said my house because it is my house too. But really, it should be your kids don't need to be drinking in our house. Yes. Because to me, that is not the same as their bedding or their you know eating habits. That is more of, I don't want my son seeing them coming in drunk. Yeah. I don't want to get a phone call that your kid's wrapped around a tree because he was drinking. Yes. You know, there's more to it than that. So you really have to identify your top non-negotiables and say, you know, yeah, this is a hill I'm willing to die on. And if you don't mean it, then don't say it. But to, for me to argue with David about whether or not his kids were going to eat something, I'm not saying that that never happened, but in hindsight, and as my wisdom has grown, <laughs> that was stupid. Yeah, it's, 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 but we've all been there and we've all done it. I remember once I'd made a beautiful um, chicken and avocado sandwich. My stepbrother was going through fussing, fussy eating stage. I'd made a beautiful chicken and avocado sandwich. She was doing rowing at school and this and that. And in our freezer, we had a packet of Magnum ice creams, which are very rich flavoured chocolate ice creams with caramel and chocolate and everything. 
And mm. she looked at me and she opened the freezer and she took one out. And I said, well, hang on a second, that's not lunch. And she said, yes, it is. She said, I'm having this for lunch. And I said, I'd really rather that you didn't. I said, but I'll tell you what, if you ring your mum and she says that you can have magnum ice cream for lunchtime, I said, then you're allowed to have it. You can have as many as you want and just go for it. And she stood there and she put the magnum mm-hmm. ice cream back into the freezer and then she took the chicken and avocado sandwich. And I said to her, I'm quite happy for you to have the magnum ice creams. I just want you to ring your mum to check first. I said, because I don't want to get into trouble because I don't think that's a nutritious lunch, but you're 14 years old, you're old enough to make your own choice. And What's funny is she didn't even attempt to call her mom. No, and anyway, when she was leaving that weekend, I said to her, do I need to get any other ice cream in the next week? I said, or do you think you'll like sandwiches for lunch? And she said, I think I should be eating sandwiches. And so she did, and she knew. But you see, I sort of like I called her bluff because I knew that she wouldn't call her mum. But I said to her, it's okay, you can have it if you want, but you've got to get permission from your mum. And, you know, all these funny things. But I'm just going back to the thing where you said, yeah, that concerned me in the beginning. She never did it again, but they, they try little things on and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I am curious, why did you tell her to ring her mom and ask her and not her dad? (laughs) I've never thought of that, Laurie. Um, Maybe because I knew her dad at that stage, it was quite early on, might have said, oh, look, it's okay if she has an ice cream. But I just didn't think it was appropriate for her to have that. I think her mum had been trying a bit of a dietary thing with her as well. And I sort of knew that I was calling the bluff. I knew that she wouldn't that she wouldn't ring her mum. But, Laurie, that is a terrific question. Yeah, why Why didn't I ask her? I've got no idea. I don't know why I didn't. Well, it's probably because you knew that the mom would be more quick to say no than yeah. the dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he may have had a little bit of guilty parent syndrome. That may have been. May have or he been. may not just care what she eats. No, he would have cared. But I think it's, um, yeah. But, no, it's all good. All good. But you're right, the non-negotiable yeah. list as well. And I think that that starts really quite early on too. Yeah, well, the other thing that about that situation I think that you handled very well was that you didn't really say no. Mm. You said if your mom or, you know, even if it was dad, if they say it's okay, that's fine. Mm. But I don't, you know, you you said I don't think it's a good idea. But if they if they say, yeah, that's great. Uh, and I, the reason I kind of like that is you you say you kind of disagree with it, but you don't you don't fuss about it. And you also set up in your own mind that if, uh, if they go against what I think is right, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, I guess in that instance, I mean, we had a situation where my stepson came over to visit us here in Perth and he was 21 and he had some friends in Perth and they wanted to go out to the nightclubs to the entertainment precinct. And unfortunately, we had quite a lot of problems in an area. It's called Northbridge where people were getting king hit and they were falling over and hitting their head on the concrete and ending up mm. in, a, in a hospital. King hit? Yeah, king hit. They call it king hit. It's called a coward punch in Australia where someone punches someone in the back, out, back of the head and they're not expecting it and they fall down and they crack their head. So oh, it's quite interesting. So he was 21, more than old enough to be able to go out there. Our drinking age in Australia is 18, so it's not 21 like the United States. And my stepson's always been a very respectful young man. But he had some friends over here 
and they wanted to go to Northbridge. And I actually said to them, no, no, I'm actually not going to let you go, regardless of how old you are. I said, because I don't want to be down in the hospital when you're sucking out of a straw. And I certainly don't want your mum to find out that that's what's happened to you. You don't live here full time. You're not aware as to the violent incidents that have been happening in our city. The same way that we'd already left Melbourne a couple of years before, cities change. And I said, it's always lovely young men such as yourselves that someone will accidentally brush or say, you looked at me the wrong way and then a fight will begin. And I said, no, you're not actually going to go out while you're here in Perth. It's quite funny. He respected that and he said, thank you very much. He did a quick Google on his phone of violent incidents that had happened outside nightclubs and bars and things like that and um, he abided by the wishes and he and his friends just had a barbecue here at our house and it was really funny because a lot of my friends said, wow, he was already well and truly a fully-fledged adult. He could have gone and I said, but you see what you don't realise is I've helped raise him since he was 11 and I've never just said no. I've always given the answer and the reasoning why. And nowadays, with all the computers and the Google and you put in a few keywords, things come up. We did have a very large spate of um, incidents like this and it was heartbreaking to see vision of somebody in an intensive care unit with sucking out of a straw. They'd been rendered um, incapacitated or brain dead and all that had happened was they'd walked on a street in the entertainment precinct some lout and had just looked at them the wrong way and then gone and attacked them and, you know, they'd fallen back, hit their head. But it comes back to that respect thing. So, you know, and I said, look, you, you're in this town now. No, I'm not going to let you do that because you're too nice a person for anything like this to happen and you don't know what this town is like after midnight. So he respected that. And it's funny, but I guess I'm going back to those ground rules that you set um, you know, you start talking to your kids about drugs and alcohol much earlier than you would have when all of us were growing up. But it's important to have those conversations because if you haven't been open and had conversations and shown cause and effect, there you go. And I think I said to my stepson, I might only be your stepmom, but I do love and care about you. And it's my role as the responsible parent to keep you safe. And he accepted it, which was lovely. Right, because you had built a relationship with him. He knew you weren't just being the evil stepmother. He knew it was because you cared about him. That's right. That's right. And that's what takes time to build. Because at first, if you come in and you're like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Yes, you must do your chores. Then they're like, whoa, slide back, woman. Yeah. You know, this is crazy. I don't like you. You're trying to change my whole life. My, you're making my dad act different toward me. You're making me have to do chores. Every, you're making me try to eat broccoli. and then, But you don't have that bond. When I first met my husband um, and his kids asked, you know, what's this going to be like, I actually said to them, I'd like you to choose a chore to do at our house, your house, when you come over for a visit. And they looked at me and I said, you can do anything. You can um, choose to set a table, clear a table, um, water the plants, do a vacuum. I said, you know, making your bed is non-negotiable, but choose a chore. And they evidently didn't have to do any of this at their mum's. And a couple of weeks went by visitation. And I actually said, 
I'm not an unpaid slave or servant. One day you're going to have your own houses and you're going to have to do some chores, whether you like them or whether you don't. Choose a chore or I'll choose one for you. So they quickly chose a chore. Did they like doing them? No. But then they got into the swing of it and they did it. And so we had a funny moment and we all laugh back now because when they come over to visit, they have a giggle because it reminds them. So when they would first come over and have a shower, they would use a new towel every time they had a shower and those towels would be left on the floor and yours truly would then pick up the towel and hang them over the towel rack because I'm very fussy with personal hygiene but I think changing a kid's towel every two to three days is adequate. They don't need a towel every shower and they certainly don't need a new towel every day. That is just making mounds and mounds of washing. Anyhow, Mm -hmm. so what happened was um, I would do this and I would say, pick up the towel and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'd go to the new the, the laundry press, they'd get out another towel, and soon, you know, like in a, a weekend visit, we'd be going through 14, 15 towels, and I would be thinking, this is crazy. I would hope a maximum of two towels for each kid. We're going through dozens of towels. So what happened was, and I let this go on too long, but it's funny when you look back, they had a shower one day, and they left the shower, the towel on the floor, and they went to school. And I was at home that day, it was a day off, and I thought, it is taking all my might not to pick up those towels and put them over the towel rail. But you know what? These kids are going to have to learn a lesson the hard way. So they came home, they did their homework, they had dinner, and I had hidden the towels out of the laundry press. So anyway, they had their shower and they said, where are the towels? And I went, well, there's two on the bathroom floor. And they went, but they're wet, they're soggy. And I went, well, you should have picked them up. I'm not a maid. I'm not here to be doing all your washing and your ironing all the time. You need to take responsibility for your towels and hang them over the rack. Well, I can tell you, hand on the heart, it never, ever happened again. Those kids picked up their towels. They then put them in the laundry basket. They then really modified the amount of towels that they did. And I can tell you as a step parent, that was one of the most difficult things I ever did. Let me assure all your listeners Our floors were spotless. They were so pino cleaned and detoled and disinfected that there was nothing wrong with those towels that were left for 10 hours on the day on the floor. But I thought, I don't know whether they're doing this just to get at me or whether this happens at their mum's, but this cannot continue to happen at a house because it was just getting like a Chinese laundry. And the funny thing is, when they came over last year, my kids had done the same thing and I'd said, you've got to go pick your towels up and stuff. And my stepson said to my kids, your mum used to say that to me all the time when I was your age. You better pick them up. And so, you know, that's a funny moment, but it's also quite a serious moment because I'd said to my my um, husband, what are your kids being taught? You know, this is this is not normal. They've got to pick up their clothes and hang them over the racks because if everyone is doing everything for them, they're going to get to be very spoiled teenagers and spoiled young people. This starts from a young age, teaching them to pick up after themselves and contribute to the household. Now, so if you would have said, you know, you told them this about the laundry. Yeah. And so they had consequences by not picking up the towels. Yep. And you were enforcing those consequences because you didn't pick the towels up. Mm. And a lot of times we see where the dad would be like, 
give them the towels or get upset about it because it's like, oh my gosh, it's a towel. Yes. Or the kids, you know, would make a big deal about it, complaining to the dad to where this stuff turns into a fight. I think the thing is, um, initially my husband had said that, and I think I said something like, they've had six months to get used to this situation. I think that's long enough. They have a meal cooked all the time. They have clean clothes, clean bedding, um, clean pyjamas, a beautiful place to live, you know, healthy food, lots of activities and everything. This is not a hotel, you know. Life, you know, you, you've, they've got to be made to realise how life and a household works. And so he supported you with that? He did, but I think initially he did say, oh, for goodness sake, it's just a towel. And I said, no, this is going to become a bigger problem when they're teenagers because then they'll be going through absolutely everything. You can't just float through life or float through a house thinking someone is going to be picking up after you all the time. I mean, with my kids now that are 11, 10 and 8, I do the washing and the ironing. But just from the beginning of this year, I put their piles of clothes in the laundry that are that are um, ironed and I make them take it up to their bedrooms to put away in their drawers because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, they're 11, 10 and 8. If I start doing this when they're 16, 17, I'm going to get a resistance. If I'm doing this now at their age, it's just going to become normal and it's just trying to get that normality. I couldn't do that with my stepkids because, of course, they're with their mum 80% of the time. It's a different set of rules, all right? They're also not my kids. But I just always say to people, the whole thing of step-parenting, you're just trying to raise individuals that are contributing people to society that understand that you've got to work as a team not just to get something back but to actually make something work. You don't just do something because you want to get something back in return. You do something to make it work and keep it functioning. Right. And I think, like for us, my telling the stepkids to do something even if there would have been consequences, it wouldn't have mattered because there was so much resentment and anger and stress built up that for me to say, oh, well, you left your wet towel on the floor, that would turn into them telling the in-laws that I didn't give them clean towels, their mom. I mean, it would just spiral. So I had to not tell them to do those things. Instead, I would just have to tell David, Yeah. You know, they have their towels are on the floor, which then I got to the point that I didn't really even do that because I felt like I was constantly saying, telling him what his kids were doing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, he would come home from work and it's their towels are on the floor. They didn't do their homework. They didn't, you know, put this up. They left a drink on the table, whatever. And then again, that just put David in a bad situation where he's like, crap, I don't want to come home. All she does is complain about my kids. I can't even spend time with them because they're complaining about her. I used to say to my stepkids, now I'm not the wicked stepmom and I'm sure your own mum has told you this a thousand times, but, and then they would smile. And I found that quite a good disarming technique to use. Um, Of course, it depends the mood that your stepkids are in, depends on their age, But if I really wanted to get something done and I didn't want to be lumbered always having to do it, I would just preface it by saying, listen, you know that I'm not your mum, but I have no doubt that she has told you exactly what I'm about to. And then I would say it. I wouldn't say it all the time um, because it is. It's always a bit of a minefield. It's like walking on eggshells a lot of the time. But at the same time, and we've all made the mistakes, I let myself be walked over 
for the first couple of years because I was so worried, you know, in case their mum said, oh, they're not allowed to come over and then I'd think, how will my husband feel? All ridiculous thoughts because that would never have been the case. She was just as glad to have the break, you know, with the kids to come over or whatever. But, you you know, you want to be liked and things. But then there comes a point where a switch is flipped in your head and you think, hang on a second, I'm not going to be a dog's body for these kids. You know, this is not fair. I'm working full time. I'm paying the rates and the mortgage on the house. I'm doing everything. I'm cooking a meal. I'm parenting. I'm not getting any appreciation from their mum for doing it. But I can't just be walked over all the time by everyone. And it just depends. As as I said earlier, you know, you pick your battles. But there are battles that, that one will have. And there are there are times that the stepkids will give you a pushback and you'll never know whether their mum or their dad has said to them, don't be nice to your step-parent this weekend, make sure you give them hell, yada, 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 yada. You'll never know whether they've been revved up or not. Um, And sometimes you do just have to bite your tongue. But one thing that my stepson has always said, and I can put my hand on my heart, I have never bad-mouthed their mum to them. I would often say when they were leaving, be nice to your mum this week, try and help her. She's working full-time too. And I know I got a couple of raised eyebrows from them a couple of times and I thought, bingo, your mum is bad-mouthing me and your dad. But I would never, ever say anything. Uh I would just keep that light and breezy and do it and let my actions show, you know, show the way. Um, It's like when you ask people, you could ask somebody for two versions of events and the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Um, there are yes. always things that we wish that we could be that we wish we could do differently. Always, that's human nature. Um, I think the other thing, though, is that as you said, sometimes David would think, "Oh no, you're having a go." I think my tip that I often say to a lot of dads when their partner becomes a stepmom is that they're not criticizing your parenting, but You've also got to be objective to realise that your little darling of a son or a daughter can also be a little devil of a stepson and a stepdaughter to your new partner. You can't be that naive. You've got to be objective. There's nothing worse than a parent that says, my child can do no wrong. You know, by the age of five or six, you should know what your child, your child can play this one off, play that one off, smile sweetly when they want that. You get to know your child's personality. And I think that what where a lot of step parents get very irritated is that they seem to have to pick up the parenting slack that hasn't been enforced by the dad and the mum. Because when the dad and the mum are divorced, neither of them want to be known as the bad parent. They want to be known yes. as the good time parent instead of thinking, hang on a second, my job is to raise you. I don't want to make you a spoiled brat that in the years to come you're a nightmare son-in-law or a nightmare daughter-in-law for your future partner or your future mother or father's-in-law, right? And I think that that it's easier for them to just let it go by the wayside. It's like anything. It's like you say, eat healthy. How how easy would life be after school pickup to give a packet of chocolate biscuits to three kids in the back of the car as opposed to carrots and cucumbers and tomatoes, Right. Right. That the, that's the easy way out. Step parenting and parenting is not about the easy way because it's going to bite you in the bum 
years down the track. And I think it's too, it's so important to remember that even if you have these conversations, because David and I had, like I said, planned what we were going to do. I know that he expected his kids to pick up after themselves and things like that. But then once reality hit and he wasn't as bad this way or as much this way when we had the kids more, but once it went to 50, 50, I noticed that he did not want to spend all his time telling his kids to do their chores because in his mind, he was losing 50% of the time with those kids and the time he did have with them, he wanted it to be good times. Yeah. And that's, and that's understandable as well because, unfortunately, you never know the games that an ex can play. Um, as I said, um, and it's, it, it's interesting because as a step-parent, I'm not the one who got separated or divorced. I don't have that fear of perhaps the other person saying, no, you can't see the kids or I'm going to take out an order or I'm going to go back to court and no, you won't see the kids. And so I think there is a fear for a lot of men. I mean, I'm not sure what it's like in the United States, but here in Australia, quite often the women's word is believed over the men's straight away. There's a very big bias in the system. Um, you know, there's a lot of fathers that are very hard done by because the woman will ring up the child support agency and say, he's not doing this. And the father's never given a chance to defend themselves. So there also could be a fear factor in that. And that's, um, yeah, just just very interesting. So look, it, it's all good, but I like to think that my book is, it's a very positive book. It's a very frank book. And I think that there's a lot of really good tips and strategies in there that can help people. And the thing is, people have got to be willing to try something new. If something isn't working in your step family or your blended family, it doesn't mean you're failing. It can be a whole myriad of factors. But by reading a book like mine and looking at some of the other strategies, it just might provide you with the answer that you need. Right. Exactly. If we would not have tried what is now known as Nacho Kids, we would have never made it. That's it. And I take my hat off to both of you. I think that the Nacho Kids Academy is terrific and I love what you do, um, the memes and the posts that you put out. And a lot of it is being able to have that objective brain, which I was very blessed with because, as I said, I was a journalist in a former life. So I can look at a situation from both sides and try and take try and take, you know, the middle ground, see it from both sides and um, to also be open to taking advice um, and to realise that when people are giving advice, they're not directly criticising you, they're actually trying to help you. Yes, that is very important to remember. Mm -hmm. It very much is. For those people who want to find your book or find out more about you, how can they do that? Sure. So look, the book is available on Amazon and Booktopia and other digital platforms, but I have a website, which I know Laurie and David are going to pop up and it's um, www.caroliecatsandbarnas.com. The website has been specifically set up for the book, especially during this COVID period and ongoing. People can order it through there, which um, is good. And I'm very happy to give a discount, which I'll discuss with Laurie and David later. But look, you can just Google Step Parenting with Purpose, everything you wanted to know but were too afraid to ask. And I would love you to buy the book. As I said, you can get it off Amazon or Booktopia. 
If you want a signed copy, it's good to get it off the website. Naturally, it's available in a lot of Australian bookshops now, but I don't think it's available in any US bookshops just yet. I think COVID-19 has sort of put those plans to to one side at the moment. But look, I, mm. I hope that people will, you know, when you give the link that they'll they'll go and they'll check it out. Yes. And I'm definitely going to check out some of your blogs and articles too, because I love your perspective. Thank you. And look, I love yours as well from Nacho Kids Academy. And look, as I say to people, if there's one thing that they can take away from this podcast, please remember that three things, your ex is not your children's ex and never will be. The step parent in your family dynamic does not want to replace you as the mother or the father. They want to just help raise your kid to be the best that your child can be and to have a real positive difference in this world. And the third thing is be happy if you've got a step parent that is wanting to make a difference in your child's life because nine out of ten step parents, that's what they want to do. They do not want to replace you. But please be willing to look at your own shortcomings and realise that every child needs as much help as they can possibly get and they can learn different lessons from different people. And don't see that step-parent as the enemy. In my opinion, there's never too many people that can love your kid. Perfectly said. Absolutely perfectly said. Well, we cannot thank you enough for staying up past midnight. It's 1.25 in the morning. That's okay. That's my pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. It's lovely talking to you. All right. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. I enjoyed our chat with Carolee. I did too. Of course, I always enjoy it when other stepmom coaches or authors or stepmoms in general support the Nacho Kids method. As they should. David. <laughs> well, I mean. We, not, we know it's not for everybody. Well, I, I get that. What I'm saying is you should support any methodology that helps people through the blend. We support other methodologies that we don't promote. We support them. We don't promote them necessarily. Right. I it, mean, there's times we were like, look, that is <laughs> that's so far outside of what, you know, we would do or how we would do it. It's not because it's wrong. It's just different. Yeah. And it's hard, though, too, because when somebody mentions, oh, well, I'm t- I was told by our therapist that I'm their mom. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. And then they say, well, I've earned that right. No, you haven't. They're not your kids. So I may not understand the other side sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand where they're coming from. I do. They've been in this child's life for, you know, 15 years since the child was a baby. Yeah. They are a motherly figure. Mm-hmm. And, and not to mama. The, there is so much difference between, I don't know, we, we should probably do some research to figure it out. But it's like, once you get over maybe the five-year age mark of a kid, you have very different challenges than if you come into it under five. And I don't know if five's the number, but the point is when they're tiny kids, it's going to be easier for you most of the time. Yeah, because it's easier to train them at that point. (laughs) Well, I think they just don't know a life differently than that. And so it's, you know, they don't have that looking back. Now, you'll still have the crazy ex poisoning them and all that. But I I think the the relationship is just easier. Right. Carolee had a friend. That was seeing a counselor, and the counselor told her she should love her stepkids. 
Mm-hmm. And this had her friend feeling bad about not wanting the stepkids in her home. <laughs> and we see this all the time. You know, if you go to a therapist, I'm not saying that they shouldn't tell you things you don't want to hear. But if you walk out of there feeling like crap, you might want to find somebody else to go to. You should feel better. You should. Well, you should. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to explain. I know well, what I'm trying to explain. But they shouldn't not. be giving you a bunch of rainbows and unicorns. But I think they should be giving you an action plan. Like, don't just say you're doing this wrong. Yeah, but you can't tell somebody that they're supposed to love somebody else. Yeah, I mean, think about that in any other context. Somebody's telling you, you should, you must love this other person. Now, I'm not talking about, like, brotherly love. I'm talking about you should genuinely love this person. Yeah. And they're telling you that. And you don't. I mean, in any other context, that would probably make you go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, but of course, Carol Lee went with her to this therapist. Oh, yeah. And, and when she was telling us a story, I'm like, I hope you stood up and said, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she said that she said to the therapist, you know, you don't have kids to do you, or you don't have adoptive kids or stepkids or whatever. And that um, she took her friend's hand and they left. Yeah. She was a lot nicer than I would have been. Yeah. But we hear that similar story a lot. And we're not saying that all therapists are wrong. No. But if you've got one that's telling you you need to love your stepkids like your own, and they're not even part of a blended family, or even if they are part of a blended family and they got little Susie when she was six months old, and no, don't put those pressures on people. Yeah. Well, two, I think that people need to speak from not just experience, but from the experience of others. Like, people come to us sometimes with things that we never dealt with in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And we have to advise them on, this is what we know. This is what we see. This is what we see working for people that go through that. This is not my opinion is because we dealt with it this way or I feel this way about it. You know, here's here it is. And the thing about a blended family situation is a lot of it is take a step, look around, see where you're at. Take another two steps and <laughs> stop. Look around, see where you're at. And sometimes you're taking steps forward, and sometimes you're taking steps back, and sometimes you're taking steps sideways. But it's a constant process to figure out: is this working for my my relationship? You do the hokey pokey, and you turn yourself it around. It feels like that, you know. And that's that's the thing is you if somebody's counseling you or coaching you or anything else, and they're trying to give you this whole beginning to end roadmap. That's, there's no way because you just don't know how things are going to play out with people until you start saying, all right, we're going to try this one thing or two things, and let's see what happens. If that's good, then let's move on to the next step. If that's not good, then let's back up and let's try something different and then go from there. So, I mean, we've had people before where we're like, you know, this whole loving your stepkid thing, it doesn't work out a lot of times. And people say, well, I do love them. And they love me back. And I'm like, okay, great. That's working for you. Let's move on. Right. <laughs> we, let's move past that and address something else. I love my stepkids and they love me. Now. <laughs> now. Pretty <laughs> nacho. Not so much. <laughs> no, it was not there at all. There was no love loss. Mm-mm. There was no love to be lost. Yeah. What David said. 
<laughs> All right, David. So what do we have going on? Let's see. The Step Family Summit mm-hmm. that we are a part of, hosted by Claudette Chenevere, oh. is coming up really soon. Yep. I think it's September the 16th through the 18th. Do you know how people get um, involved in that? How do they find out more information? To learn more about the Step Family Summit, go to nachokids.com slash the Step Family Summit. Cool. Very good. What about uh, what about drawings? We got any winners this week? Nope. No? Is it next week? Mm-hmm. All right. So next week, better tune in because we're starting to run low on these uh, scholarships. Runs yeah. out at the end of the year. I think we only have one or two left. One or two? Yeah. I thought I was supposed to go through December. It does, but I've only got one or two entries left. Oh. Oh, wow. Or spots left. So y'all better be putting in some uh, some scholarships in. Yep. Otherwise, they'll go to somebody else, not you. If you would like to submit your video for a Nacho Kids Academy Sylvia Krakauer Scholarship, send your video or a link to your video to contact us at nachokids.com. Just tell us why you deserve to win a free month in the Nacho Kids Academy. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. We're done here? We done. All right. Let's wrap it up. So we want to thank you folks for listening to today's show. Join us next week when we have another show, and we'll be talking about more nacho stuff. Nacho, nacho, man. <laughs> All right. So make sure that you get out there and nacho things because there is plenty to nacho. You know, I used to sing that in my head a lot. But it'd be Nacho, Nacho Mama. I'm so glad I'm Nacho Mama. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. We'll see you next week. And remember, life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.